0: Hi I'm Barney Black
1: And I'm Tara Saravan And we
0: do Bloody Murder
1: We're a weekly true crime podcast that focuses on some of the lesser known crime stories from Australia
0: And indeed around the globe
1: We're a comedy podcast with a dark sense of humour
0: But we're dead serious about murder and the people it affects
1: We find humour in some unexpected places
0: But never at the expense of the victims or their families
1: We've been described as the blue cheese of podcasting
0: Addictive, strong and satisfying
1: And a bit stinky
0: I am not You know you are Bloody Murder Murder is available on your favourite podcatcher.
1: I just want to know why, like, all the girls and guys hang out afterwards. Like, I'd be They're super shitty if my best friend was all of a sudden best friends with all these other girls. Mm-hmm. They only but hang see, out with each other But See, they say
0: best friends, are are they really bre- best friends? Best friends?
1: They're best friends. friends. That one woman. <laughs> that was a
0: 40 and slip. The
1: huge titty is definitely best friends. Um, Moving I'd be on. like, bitch. 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 I think of a better insult Post pictures later. Post picture of me. Bitch. <laughs> Okay, it's happening.
0: It's happening.
1: To you, for you, at you. Welcome. <laughs> welcome, 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 welcome.
0: In five, four, three.
1: Hey, everybody, this is Danielle.
0: And I'm Daniel.
1: And I'm Carla. This is Hoosier. <laughs> a true crime podcast by Hoosiers for Hoosiers or for anyone that doesn't know what a Hoosier is. We back. What's good? JD's back, 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 back again. again. Again, again. Oh, mm-hmm. You guys are so white. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for living up to the stereotype. appreciate it.
1: Yep. You're welcome. Welcome, Ta. welcome, welcome. Guess what I'm playing. What are you playing? Words with Friends. Words with Friends. That's a classic. I've been playing Farm Hero Saga. What the fuck is that? <laughs> it's like Candy Crush, only with onion, oh, oh onions yeah, okay. And okay apples okay. and carrots. It makes me feel healthier when I play it. <laughs> Because Candy I mean, Candy's like, you're not getting cavities. (laughs) He's having good solid poops. Yes. Plenty of fiber. I'm playing Cookie G7. And I'm Mm. beating him. Her. I don't know. Is that someone you know? (laughs) Nope. Nope. Cookie G7.
0: I don't know. You know, I don't know all your friends.
1: (laughs) Tell them to write us a good review. Hey, Cookie G, (laughs) can you do me a favor? I'll let you win. (laughs) Give me a good iTunes review. Speaking of, I think we have a good one. Shock and awe. One I didn't bribe for either. Shock and awe.
0: What's happening over there? I'm back.
1: <laughs> <laughs> this is from Mo5276. And they said we were fucking amazing. Wow. Thank you. <laughs> First time
0: I- ever. I've never heard of amazing in my whole life, honey. I swear.
1: You've never fucked amazing before? Uh-uh. Mm-hmm. Uh uh-uh. <laughs> At first, listen, I was like, "Those
0: sheep are liars."
1: <laughs> At first, listen, I was like, "Uh, just get to the case." But quickly fell in love with the banter. I don't I mean, even love. love love. I don't even know what part I like more now. I'm a fellow Hoosier living in Indianapolis, so it's really cool to know about places or the crimes that have happened in our area. I love the content, and you all three are hilarious. We love you. Keep up the good work. We love you.
0: Bless you, sir.
1: Uh, Mo, or ma'am, ma'am. What is Cookie G seven? Bless you, <laughs> individual. This is from Mo, Mo Cookie Mo seven. Mo Cookie Mo problem. We appreciate it. The positive reviews help our self-esteem. <laughs> Mine in particular. <laughs> uh-huh. but let's talk about how high my self-esteem is right now. Everyone asked me what happened to me the other day. Oh. What happened to you the oh, other day? Yeah. If you're a fan of My Favorite Murder and you happen to be listening. To their episode that came out on Thursday, it was their Indianapolis live show that was recorded on St. Patrick's Day. A friend of mine, Courtney from the Cult of Domesticity, messaged me on Instagram was like, did you get a shout out on My Favorite Murder? My work is calling me. Oh, you have to put on the speakerphone. You have to answer bone. it. Hello? Hey, Carla, this is uh, Austin over here at After Hours. Yeah, what's up? Your driver going from Platteville,
0: Colorado to Tyler, Texas is requesting a $500 fuel advance. Um, he's loaded, uh, macro appointed, and he sent him his BOLs earlier. I was just trying to get the good to go from you. Yeah,
1: you can, you can cut it. It's fine.
0: Okay, thanks. I
1: appreciate it. Okay, have a great night. Bye. Bye. <laughs> How much of that can I leave in? You can leave it in. It sounds like good li- lingo. Like you know what you're doing. They ain't even coming out on the. Double he wanted four a, and... a fuel advance. I was
0: thoroughly impressed. Is yeah. that what he wanted? I wasn't advance. sure what he asked for. I couldn't for. even figure a out what he wanted.
1: And you, you can cut him a check. I said it's fine. You can cut him a check. That's fine. He could have been asking 500 for five hundred
0: bucks for fuel.
1: It's either it's up. It's forty percent. He's or going from to... Tyler,
0: Texas, to where?
1: Platteville, Colorado, to Tyler, Texas.
0: Okay. It's about
1: a thousand miles. Yeah. From. Oh yeah. You could have been asking for five hundred bucks for ten gallons of lotion. I wouldn't have know what the fuck you were talking about. I mean, I mean, if that's what he wants to spend the five hundred dollar fuel advance <laughs> yeah. on, that's fine with me. I mean, they just the next time they get paid, it's minus five hundred dollars. Okay, okay, so sorry to interrupt. No, it's okay. We need to know what you do with your life. <laughs> it could have been way more complicated than yeah. that. Yeah, and you are like, no, it's okay. Go ahead. What would
0: happen if they got into an accident of some sort and couldn't get the load then, and they've already got the re- advance?
1: I mean, we could see if they can repair the trailer.
0: What if they can't? What if the 10 the load gallons has to get done? What if Do they, you have to collect your money back, or we, you guys you don't
1: get it back? I mean, what if the 100 gallons so of lotion spilled bucks. all over the interstate? Hey,
0: shush, shush. I'm asking, <laughs> we a don't move lotion, it's
1: milk for one, okay. milk, it's, a milk. <laughs> it's organic no, dairy.
0: But what would happen?
1: If that was the case and they couldn't
0: Like if this guy if you, this guy gets the money, he's driving down the street to get gas and he gets walloped.
1: Where is he getting walloped?
0: The truck and trailer. The truck and
1: the trailer. Is the product damaged?
0: Is destroyed. No, he hadn't even got to pick up the product.
1: Oh, you so what he said, he said he's loaded. So okay. he's already loaded with the product. We have him on macro point, which means we trace his cell phone and it gets us updates. Every two hours, so probably.
0: what happens if the if the truck broke down and couldn't move?
1: um, we would just see if he can fix it for one, can you get a tow? Can you get to a truck stop can you get it fixed? and if it says no, then we would probably get a power only in there and rehook the trailer, have him deliver the tra- deliver the product and then bring the trailer who has back to, to, to p- the driver. who has to pay for that? We would have to pay for that. you eat the cost, yeah.
0: Does this guy get paid any more when it gets down there?
1: It just depends. It's like shipping wars, right? <laughs> it just It well, just I didn't depends. Know if someone
0: else drives up, hooks it up, and they drive it down, what happens to the guy that was contracted for the job?
1: He, I mean, once the fuel advance is cut, it's cut. Like, okay. It's a check, So that was my question. Okay, if, so you
0: guys are out the money.
1: So, yeah. And so if they, especially because you can get burned, that's why we have to make sure because- you can cut a fuel advance. They can go spend it like that anywhere they want, and it's gone. You better make sure you got all your ducks in a row. That's why he just called me and make sure it was. Okay. He called you to say, okay. wah, wah. "Yeah, wah, wah. I'm assuming <laughs> these are
0: electronic checks. Yeah, so they get it, they the money's transferred pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Okay,
1: because they'll they'll be at like the gas station. They're like, I need I need a fuel advance.
0: Wonder how <laughs> wonder how expensive it is to fill a semi up.
1: That's what they bitch and moan about all the time. You just can't make them happy, you know? You can't do it. Oh, no. Can't make them happy. And then when you're negotiating rates, they're like, you know how much gas is? Blah, blah, blah. Like, I gotta yeah, go, go I through tolls. I'm like, okay, so you gotta pay $25 to go through tolls. I'm sorry, but I'm not giving you more money. <laughs> <laughs> sorry about your 25 bucks, sir. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, back to my much more important story. Sorry about that. But then I went and saw that they were talking about Richmond Hill. So then I went and listened to it. And sure fucking enough, I'm Danielle. You're welcome. Danielle. I wrote that email to, to them though, pre-podcast PP. <laughs> so our podcast name was not attached to that email. So we couldn't get a podcast shout-out. And if we had, our podcast would have exploded, but it didn't. So
0: You done and, fucked up. You could still That might have been the greatest thing ever, though, because people at that show Maybe thirty percent would have loved us. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, you're right. Yeah,
0: forty five percent, forty percent would have hated us. Thirty percent would have said, "Eh, not yeah. my thing." Kind of funny. Not Don't gonna, care. gonna leave a got good
1: Pummeled with the negative reviews. <laughs> this is nothing like my favorite murder. It is awful. <laughs> There's a boy in it. They smell like shit. <laughs> Not a lot goes on in their lives, and they let us know. But that episode- That, that is
0: not true. <laughs> We're all busy individuals.
1: That episode in particular, though, My Favorite Murder is Good, they did Richmond Hill, Georgia did it, and she was reading my own words back to me, and I choked on a chocolate ding-dong when I realized what was happening. <laughs> <laughs> I was eating a ding-dong, and then I was like pacing back and forth listening to the episode, and, and j- she-
0: That's how she told me that story, too. She goes- I was eating a ding dong. Like she just like we're just sitting there, and she opens up. You know, I was
1: hiding ding dongs in the closet. I
0: did, but it was just. Listen to what you what I just said. Choked on a ding dong. You yeah. You said I was no. You said I was eating a ding dong. Yeah, that's that's how you started your story. But that's how uh, that's how
1: when when traumatic or important events happen, everyone has to say where they were and what they were were doing. I was in the kitchen choking on on a a ding-dong. And then I only never guess it. it. I was driving down the street and I was passing old waterman's farm. (laughs) (laughs) And boom, an explosion. (laughs) And then she comes around the corner though and sees the other half of the ding-dong. She goes, "Mm, brownie. And then that was the end of my (laughs) (laughs) ding-dong. Brownie. (laughs) Brownie.
0: Yeah, because she swiped it, didn't she? Oh yeah,
1: she saw it. Like I was trying to hide it from her to eat it real quick. Well, I got interrupted because I could hear my own words. (laughs) You got choked up. (laughs) I got choked choked up. (laughs) up. Yep.
0: We hid ice cream from her last night. Mm
1: -hmm. How did that go? It worked. That's good. I'm proud of you guys. So yeah, if you go. The only reason
0: I didn't give her any is because it was quarter till Mm ten. She she did not need any sugar.
1: (laughs) And I I did. Uh, Always, always. So yeah, she. They read my hometown murder on my favorite murder, all about the Richmond Hill explosion. And, and it, which episodes of that are? Are one and two, which is rough because it's the beginning, but also episode 43, we have mom on to talk about it if you want to hear it then. There you go. It's yes. exciting. I, I still haven't listened to it. I'm a celebrity. It's 30 <laughs> minutes in. I'm a, the most celebrity. I am a celebrity. And no one knows how many Daniels are there in the world. Four, at least. At least four. <laughs> wow, yeah. you're famous. Yeah, I am just a little bit.
0: Danielle's now Chloe, and I'm Lamar. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Hope not. <laughs> uh, a brain dead be- former basketball player. Aww. I guess is it is that better I know than he's being not. Tristan? He had a stroke. I think he. Came, I think he bounced back from it. Yeah,
1: is, is that better Bounds than being back. Tristan though? Mm. Mm.
0: I don't know. the The Cavaliers sucked this year, so I have no idea what anything happened with Tristan Thompson.
1: He cheated on his pregnant wife. Oh, well, that I knew. Yeah, that's pretty much it. That's all I got for everyone. Don't come here for updates on the Kardashians. I'm here for updates on the Kardashians. I mean, I could try.
0: No, no, don't. (laughs) Don't. I tell you what, this is what we'll start doing. We'll have two segments. Carla will give an update on the Kardashians, and then I will give a very descript visual image of the most recent shit I took.
1: <laughs> How many Kurgs is and it? And then we'll see which well, gets better reviews.
0: I'm going to start shitting on a scale and we'll weigh it.
1: Uh, we'll weigh it. <laughs> That's interesting, actually. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Let's not and say we did. We can lie. Let's Just do an and idea. Say we Just an idea, everyone. More content.
0: At this point, everyone turning on that hurt us at My Favorite Murder... We just lost probably oh, yeah. thirty percent of the audience. A, it's
1: not it's not pretty. <laughs> Down to the nitty gritty folks. It's we're, fun.
0: We're we're here for the fun of it.
1: Sometimes Exactly. It's funny. Sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> oh well, you know, sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> did you have fun in Chicago? I did have fun in Chicago. Big City, very windy. The windy city. But it was really fun, yes. And my friends have a very nice place. Expensive place. Expensive place. Yes. Chicago is more expensive than Indiana. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> They're right by Wrigley Field though, aren't they? Well, they used to be. They live closer to DePaul University now. Okay. And they live in a really cute town home. And they live on the top unit. So Kat and Colleen live on the top unit. And then Danny, her boyfriend, Colleen's boyfriend, and Keaton, they live in the garden unit or the bottom unit. That's beautiful. Yeah. Where's our garden unit? Whoa. It's
0: it's here in my britches. <laughs> no, I haven't trimmed in a while, and there's quite the bush.
1: No, no, no stop it! And they have a deck, so we played out on the deck all day. Do you have a deck?
0: Huh? Do you have a deck? I do have a deck.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's more like if a you're from the nether. If you're from the Netherlands, I got a deck. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh man! Yes, Lord help us all. <laughs> Okay, get her done. You want me to hit it and quit it? Oh, mm-hmm. uh, this one has more of a timeline thing, like, like it happened in the past. No, like you need to pay like <laughs> sequential. Like this happened and this happened. You almost need to pay attention, but if you don't, I can understand. So, like you're saying, it happened in the past. It did happen in the past. <laughs> okay, cool. And there so is- you're not
0: telling something that's getting ready to happen.
1: No, if I had that ability, we'd be very rich. Okay, I can do this. We can do it. There is child death in this. I apologize. Boo. Boo. It's quick though. Okay. Oh. <laughs> well, it's I mean, I'm not lingering on it. Okay. In the spring of 1989, 17-year-old Jeff Pelly, P E L L E Y, lived with his father Bob, his biological sister Jackie, who was 14, his stepmother Dawn, her children Jessica, who was 10, Janelle, who was 8, and Jolene, who was 6. It is All right. All- so
0: so here's what I need you to do. What was the first name?
1: <laughs> the main player in this is Jeff. Okay.
0: And how old is Jeff? Seventeen. Jeff is seven. Seventeen. <laughs> See, I thought you said seven.
1: Mm-mm. Jeff is seventeen. Then his dad is Bob, and Don is his stepmom. That's all
0: I need to know. <laughs>
1: Jeff and then you—you
0: <laughs> you gave me the lineup of the Jacksons. They're—I oh, yeah. know they're <laughs> all their name, J- date of birth, social security number, and it was just information overload. Much. And
1: it was odd though, like it's. And then Jackie is his biological sister. Well, then they become a blended family, and all her kids all start with J also. So it's it's five kids with J names, and it's very confusing. And I try to use other terms and just here's another J person. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Jeff and Jackie's mother had died of cancer in 1985, and Bob and Don had married approximately nine months later. little quick... A little, maybe. Because well, mom and dad only really knew each other for nine months before they got married. Yeah, but no one died right before that. Oh. In 1986, Bob had become a minister of the Olive Branch Church, approximately 12 miles from South Bend in Lakeville, Indiana. South Bend is where Notre Dame is. How far is Notre Dame from here? Three hours. Yep. North. Snorff. 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 <laughs> North, right? Mm-hmm. Correct. Mm-hmm. Okay. The family moved into the parsonage next door. Who wants to define parsonage because I had to look it up. I don't know. It's like where the priest lives, I think. You know. I thought that and, was a seminary. I thing. know, but it, no, like you know how they house the priest at like oh, St. Like, Jude or whatever would have a place for the priest to live. Yeah, the priest gets its own house. Yeah. That type of thing. Oh. oh. So this is a place where yeah, the,
0: the vi- parish owns the house. Mm-hmm. That would make
1: sense. So it's like the family gets to stay that- there.
0: There are some Christian churches that do that too, like smaller mm. churches. So I think that's what this is. They'll pay the mortgage.
1: Yeah. So it's their parsonage. It's just their home that I guess the church probably owns. So Bob and Jeff were frequently in conflict, often relating to Jeff's resentment of his stepmother and his feeling that she was replacing his deceased mother, which I could That's probably a common teenager mm-hmm. thing that I'm already a teenager dealing with my inner angst and my mom died and you replaced her nine months later. Okay. Yeah. I would be probably angry. I would be. The Pellies may have looked like the Brady Bunch, but that was far from the truth. We didn't always get along with our stepmom or see eye to eye with her, Jackie said. We did not agree with the way Dawn was raising the girls because it was different than the way we were raised. There was tension in the house between the two families. Jackie and Jeff were allies in a divided home. So they were the original biological kids. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In April of 1989, Bob grounded Jeff and prohibited him Mm. Prohibitabado. That's what that is. Prohibitabado. Sudden <laughs> Prohib- in Spanish. How much clearer could I be? <laughs> <laughs> prohibited him, him from I can't do it. Prohibited him from driving the Ford Mustang, from driving his Ford Mustang.
0: What year is the Ford Mustang? I don't know. What year?
1: I don't it's 1989.
0: Okay, he, it's still 89.
1: Yeah, and he has a Ford Mustang that his dad said you ain't driving to attend your senior prom activities. So he can't go to the prom. He can't go to the dinner before or after prom. What do he do? I don't know. I never figured out what. It, I guess it's just constant tension that finally you know you push your parents too far, and then they're like, "You're not going to anything," and you're also not going to the Great American Amusement Park in suburban Chicago. Mm-hmm. Can't relate. So, I would never have done that. Yeah. Well, well, like how we went to Kings Island, I think. Yeah. After. Yeah. You went to Kings Island against Daughters. Was I not supposed to go? Mm-hmm.
0: I don't really remember that.
1: <laughs> well, I went to prom like all four years.
0: I would have never been that ballsy to go out of state.
1: No, she did. I think I now I remember now that you're saying that.
0: What grade were you?
1: Probably a junior. A junior in so, yeah, what was high the
0: plan that you were just going to? Uh, just going. You were just, just going? going? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I just went. How much
0: trouble did you get I, in? I
1: was probably in a fair amount of trouble.
0: <laughs> was it worth it? I think, so. I think it was fine.
1: I don't know. No, I'm going to say it was worth it. Now th- this many years later. Yeah, it was worth it. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> no, I, I never did anything like no, that. No, Carla didn't do. Well, you guys got to have I'm problems. still too scared to break the rules <laughs> and leave work five minutes early. <laughs> That's you?
0: good. I, no. That's, that is not a negative thing, I'm though. scared. Don't say, it, don't say it like it's a negative thing.
1: Well, you guys got to have prom at the Children's Museum.
0: Yeah, that was fun.
1: We had ours at Val Vista and then got married there. <laughs> 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 no, when I went in my freshman you year. You sure I feel it wasn't like at Primo? That was one year probably oh, okay. too. But my freshman year that I went, I feel like it was at a hotel though downtown and they changed that real quick. Yeah, you can't be connected to mm-hmm. rooms. Mm-hmm. They don't like that. No. <laughs> <laughs> Man, Sorry, guys. <laughs> Anyways, it's a common theme to go to an amusement park after prom. Whatever. So he got grounded and told, you're not going. And the insurance on Jeff's Mustang was suspended on April 12, 1989. And the policy change noted that Jeff is grounded from using his car and all vehicles and households. So not only was he told, you're not driving, his dad removed him from the fucking insurance. Like, that's pretty intense. That seems just... That's,
0: a, uh, that's an awful idea. Mm-hmm. Because if he becomes defiant and gets the keys and t- makes off with the keys, yeah. and fucking hits and kills somebody, guess what? You're
1: responsible. I know. It's a, that is yeah. a terrible idea. And it, it's like keep you from driving. Watch me. As the prom approached, Jeff eventually receives permission to attend the dance on the condition that Bob would drive Jeff and his girlfriend Darla Emmons. But Jeff and Darla were none too pleased with this arrangement. They want to ride in his Mustang. They want to ride in his little red wagon. Yeah, go all (laughs) the way to prom together and not be escorted by his parents. Right? Right. So they're bumped. A few days before prom weekend, Jeff told Darla that he was working on changing his dad's mind to let him attend the dinner before the dance. On Friday night before the prom, Jeff told Darla that he had received permission to attend all prom activities. So he got permission. Mm -hmm. There you go. But that Darla should not mention this to anyone because it was a sore subject still. Yeah. (laughs) However, his dad told more than five people in the 24 hours before the prom that Jeff was permitted to attend only the dance and he would drive the couple. Bob also mentioned that he had removed a part from Jeff's car to prevent Jeff from driving it. (laughs) Ooh. I that seems malicious so, like, i know like i'm taking you off the insurance and i'm taking apart your car so it won't even fucking drive which i don't know what part that would be
0: um the easiest oh well i don't know
1: depending on what the you easiest thing out. to
0: do would be to pull the spark plug the plug wires yeah
1: maybe it was, so it didn't say exactly. or just take
0: take the battery out you can yep. do that too. That that actually would probably be the easiest the thing easiest to do because yeah. then you could take the batter and just walk away. Walk away. And a teenage kid, most likely, it's going to take him a minute to figure it out.
1: <laughs> on the day of the prom, Saturday, April 29th, nineteen eighty nine, Jeff worked the early morning shift at McDonald's, washed his car, and watched a baseball game on TV. By late afternoon, Bob, Don, Jeff, Janelle, and Jolene were all at their house and Jessica and Jackie were visiting friends for the weekend. So those two, so Jeff's younger biological sister and the oldest of his stepsisters were not at home. Around 4.30 or 4.45 p.m., Matt Miller, Jeff's friend from school, stopped by but left after a few minutes when he realized that he had forgotten his date's corsage at home. Never forget the corsage. Rookie mistake. After picking up the corsage, Matt-
0: I love corsages from- uh Burger King?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Now I'm hungry. Matt passed back by the Pelly resident around 5.15 p.m. and saw Jeff's car in the driveway. Around 5.20 p.m., Jeff, wearing a black shirt and jeans, arrived at a local Amoco station, driving his Mustang. Hmm. He entered the station and called Darla to let her know he was running late. He also asked the attendant for a piece of cardboard and a screwdriver to fix his car, which he said was idling too high. So now I don't really know how cardboard and a screwdriver fixed it, but it did. Who knows? After receiving some help with his car from another Amico employee, he, Jeff left the station. Probably
0: adjust a carburetor. Okay.
1: So it couldn't have been something like if his dad walked away with a battery. He didn't purchase a new battery. It was enough that if something simple he could fix. Around 5.30 p.m., Jeff met Darla and another couple at a friend's house. Jeff quickly changed into his tuxedo and posed for some pictures. Both couples left for dinner. Around 6 p.m., one of the Pellys' neighbors was mowing his lawn and noticed that their lights were off and that none of the girls were playing outside, which he thought was unusual. Around 6.30 or 7 p.m., a member left the church and noticed there was no movement at the Pelly house. Jeff and Darla arrived at dinner in South Bend around 6.40 p.m. So this is the concession of events that I'm talking about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. After dinner, the couple went to the dance. After the dance, Jeff changed out of his tuxedo at a friend's house and went to the after-prom party at a local bowling alley. Yay. Yay. <laughs> yeah.
0: What is it from the movie Arthur? One would normally have to go, to meet a woman of your caliber would have to go to a bowling alley. Yeah. <laughs>
1: At the bowling alley, Jeff asked a friend if he could join the slumber party at her house that night. She agreed, so Jeff and Darla spent the night with several other friends, probably drinking and bumping uglies. Ew. Teenage romance at its finest. Around 7 a.m. on Sunday, April 30th, the couple left to get Darla's car and some money. While Darla was retrieving money from her house, Jeff spoke with Darla's mother, who said she was surprised that he was going to the amusement park. Jeff responded that he had a two-day pass from the Pelle prison. <laughs> I was like, well, "Yeah." At Great America, Jeff became quiet and told Darla that he had a feeling that something was wrong and felt like something wasn't right inside. Which okay, okay, like do you, do you need to go to the bathroom, t- Tums, That's what
0: he's <laughs> like. Tom, 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 Tom.
1: Meanwhile, back in Lakeville, a different neighbor called the Pellys around 7 a.m. to ask if they would let his dog out that day. Nobody be calling me at 7 a.m. to help with anything. No. The Pellys did not answer their phone and their curtains were closed. The neighbor and his wife had noticed that the night before, the Pellys' basement light was still on around midnight. They thought this was strange because the girls slept downstairs and normally went to bed early. They also noticed that the Pellys' dog was outside on its chain instead of in its kennel. Nosy fucking neighbors. They're watching everything, man. We know. We know. (laughs) Especially back then you had no internet. All you got time to do is look out the windows. Just before 9.30 a.m. on Sunday, members of Bob Pelley's congregation assembled for the church service. When Bob and the family did not arrive at church, members of the church board of trustees went to the parsonage and found the doors locked and the curtains still closed. After finding a spare key, they entered the home. They found Bob Pelly's body in the upstairs hallway. He had been shot twice with a deer slug from a 20-gauge shotgun, once in the chest and once in the neck. His feet were pointed toward the end of the hallway, leading to Jeff's bedroom and the master bedroom. He was dressed in everyday clothes rather than pajamas or church clothes, and an ambulance was then called. So I think they're making the point that he wasn't killed on his way out to go to church or while they were, like, in bed. It was, you know, what were you would be wearing? When you were killed. Sweat, Survive. Sweatpants, sweatshirt. Yeah. Sweatpants, <laughs> <laughs> live, breathe, sweatpants, sweatshirt.
0: I'd want to be in an adult onesie. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Make it real weird for everyone. After the paramedics arrived, they found the bodies of Don, Janelle, and Jolene huddled together in the basement, also dressed in everyday clothes. Each had been shot once from a distance of a few feet with the same gun. Don had been shot in the temple, Janelle in the forehead, and Jolene just below her right eye. Police later learned that Bob owned a 12-gauge Mossberg pump-action single-barrel shotgun. The shotgun held a Red the-
0: Ryder carbon action. Yes, yeah, I thought of too. <laughs>
1: the shotgun held five or six rounds and was typically stored in the master bedroom gun rack. I'm just <laughs> what is
0: it? It's a gun, gun rack. rack. <laughs> I don't a own gun a- rack. I don't even own a gun,
1: let, let alone, a- alone
0: enough to fill an entire rack. <laughs>
1: Jessica said she saw the shotgun in the gun rack on Friday afternoon before she left for a sleepover, but it was not in the home after the murders. After investigating the crime scene, police found no evidence of burglary or forced entry, and no shell casings were found. So the house is locked, all the curtains are drawn, and someone had to pick up the shell casings. But other than that, there's no evidence, and the murder weapon is missing. My question is...
0: Especially 1989, because there's less technology.
1: My question is when you say the door is locked. Now, are you talking about the handle lock? Like, I could lock our front door with a handle lock and leave, but you can't lock it from the outside, the deadbolt, without a key. Right. So it doesn't specify. I was like, a handle lock, anyone can lock that on their way out. Right. But to lock the deadbolt, you either have to be inside or have a key on the outside to lock the deadbolt. And it doesn't specify that. (laughs) Hmm. Jessica told police that Jeff had gone to Great America, and Lakeville police contacted Illinois authorities who found Jeff and Darla, told them of the murders, and returned them to Lakeville police station. Police were anxious to hear from Jeff directly about the battle over prom night. The battle. <laughs> <laughs> they asked him.
0: Followed by the battle of the bastards.
1: Yeah. They asked him how long he was grounded for, and Jeff said that his father had allowed him to participate in the entire prom night. According to everyone else they had talked to, Jeff's father was adamant that his son could only attend the dance and no other activities. The conflict gave police something to work with in case in a case nearly empty of physical evidence. It made Jeff their one and only suspect and gave h- them his possible motive to go to the prom and save face in front of his high school sweetheart. Shit's important, man.
0: Which obviously, his parents just didn't understand that it would ruin his life
1: to not go to prom. So, well, he probably wouldn't forget about it for a long time. No, he'd be mad forever and rub it in their face when you become a loser in life. You'd be like, well, you didn't let me go, go to, to my prom. prom. That's why. <laughs> you start blaming anything on that. But like, I can't well, the dog be- got into the trash because you didn't let me go, go to prom. To prom. Like, man, I would be a different human being right now. <laughs> my life would be different. <laughs> I wouldn't work at Lady Foot Locker if you just <laughs> let me go to the prom. <laughs> I'd stop wearing women's underwear if you just let, <laughs> let me go to the prom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's getting worse. <laughs> <sighs> <laughs> but I can't believe is they're saying there's no evidence. I was like, no footprints. I was like, you've killed four people. I was like, and there's no footprints in any blood whatsoever. And they never mention anything like that. And there's no fingerprints, nothing. I was like, how did you walk around the house to cl- pick up like Bullet casings or shotgun shells, and not step in any blood whatsoever, very carefully, I guess on the way home from Great America, Jeff spontaneously told Darla that he didn't do it and asked whether she believed him. Early morning hours of May first, police conducted a videotaped interview of Jeff in the presence of his maternal grandparents. Jeff said that he left his home at four forty five or four fifty p m on Saturday and stopped at Casey's gas station. Because his car was idling too fast. Casey's general store. He freely acknowledged that he did not get along with his stepmother. I mean, I didn't hate her or anything. We just tolerated each other, he said. Jeff wouldn't call his stepmother mom. I like, okay, don't call her mom. But he told police that he loved his father and had no idea who would kill his parents and that the news of their murder stunned him. At 7... 7- p.m. on may 1st jeff gave a second unrecorded statement jeff again gave his version of events stating that he stopped at casey's gas station because of car trouble but this time police had learned from darla that jeff had called from an Amico station <gasps> mm. That's not good. those
0: aren't even around around here anymore mm-hmm.
1: when questioned about the discrepancy jeff became nervous and upset he said that he had stopped at casey's but had also stopped at the amaco station because it had tools when questioned again, he said that he stopped at Casey's to buy a pop and proceeded to the Amico. Oh, soda pop. The detectives told Jeff that they did not accept his story because soda pop was available at both stations. <laughs> <laughs> now I could see if you went to Casey's first and you were like, "Fuck, they don't have the tools I need. Well, I'll just get a drink while I'm here and then go to Amico and they have the tools you need." Oh, fuck, I don't know. I could buy that. The detectives then told Jeff that they believed he was involved in the murders and the car trouble was part of a way to account for a time gap. Jeff slumped down in his chair, lowered his head, covered his eyes and asked whether he could see Darla, whether he would go to jail that night and whether he would get the electric chair.
0: Damn. Damn. Not if you just admit to the crime.
1: Jeff also asked if there was something that led up to what happened. Would it make a difference with what happened to him? So he's saying, if I tell you that something else happened before something happened. So he's trying to be real vague. Like he's trying to figure out if there's, he doesn't know the word for extenuating circumstances. Mm -hmm. I think is what he's trying to say. The murder weapon has never been found. But the case against Jeff was so weak that two district attorneys over two decades refused to prosecute. Two decades. (laughs) Meanwhile, Jeff moved to Florida. Now an adult, he had a wife and kid who had nothing to do with Lakeville, Indiana. But police, still working on the case, put together an elaborate timeline of Jeff's whereabouts that they believed put him and him alone at the murder scene. The timeline started from the time the victims were last seen alive to when someone tried to contact them and there was no response. A period of 45 minutes. 45 minutes. Police also found witnesses who put Jeff at the murder scene during those 45 minutes. Jackie, his biological sister, blames local politics for Jeff's arrest and the police for a sloppy investigation that turned up nothing.
0: I still can't believe it went 20 years. Yeah,
1: and you would get different district attorneys or something. They're like, I'm going to solve this case. Like, that's my battle cry of why you should elect me. I'm going to solve this horrendous murder. So all of a sudden you finally get a district attorney in there that's like, I promised to solve this. And then I got elected. So I kind of have to like put a special team together to solve this murder. Yeah. And the only suspect they have is Jeff.
0: Jeff. Jeff. Jeff.
1: Jesse, or Jessica, his only surviving stepsister, last saw Jeff when she was 15. She says he invited her down to visit him at his Florida home. At that time, Jesse believed her stepfather had killed the family and himself. So somehow her stepdad shot himself twice with a shotgun. Sometimes it be like that. Yeah. Okay. No, it doesn't. No. <laughs> it's hard to shoot yourself once with a shotgun, isn't it? It's damn near impossible. Isn't yeah. It? I mean, you got to use your toes or something. Yeah. Kirk
0: Cobain did it.
1: Yeah. But to do it twice. So she believed her stepfather killed everyone, which I don't like all she would have to read is police reports, but she's 15. I would want to believe that too. Probably. Yeah. One of the first questions Jeff asked her when she arrived in Florida was about who she thought committed the murders. Excuse me? I thought it was weird that he asked me who I thought did it, she recalls. It was done. It was over with. It was just kind of weird. So he should have let it lie, you know? Her opinion of who committed the murders changed in 2002 when investigators arrived at her home and explained that they were reopening the case and that the main suspect was now Jeff. Oops. (laughs) A murder spree that took four lives was finally solved without high-tech CSI or DNA evidence. A prosecution relied upon good old-fashioned motive and opportunity in a community determined to not forget the minister, his wife, and their two little girls. Jeffrey Pelly was found guilty for the murder of his father, stepmother, and two stepsisters in 2007. So it happened in 1989 all the way to 2007. Because murder... Has no... No. Limit of (laughs) stachions. Pistachios. (laughs) He was sentenced to 40 years for each murder for a total of 160 years and is currently at the Indiana State Prison with an earliest possible release date of 2082 when he will be 111 years old. Well, you never
0: know what will happen with modern medicine.
1: He'll be (laughs) dead years old. But this is an appeal-worthy case, correct? I think they all appeal anyways. But In 2008, the state presented sufficient evidence that Jeff committed the four murders. Evidence of a motive, access to a weapon of the type used, the presence at the site were all established. Alternative explanations seemed implausible. The home was locked, suggesting a person with a key had been at the scene. And Mr. Pelle's account of his activities at the time were inconsistent and on videotape, sometimes flustered. So the state is saying, you you did this, and we don't care why you're saying you didn't, which I don't know if it's 100% like, like I don't know if I believe that he did this. Because... You're saying <clears throat> beyond a reasonable doubt. Yeah. Jeff argues that a teenager with 20 minutes could not kill four of his family members, put his clothes in the washing machine, pick up the shotgun shells, take a shower, get dressed, draw the blinds, lock the doors, fix his car, and dispose of the gun and the shells. So he's saying he has a 20-minute window, and I thought it was 45 so I don't know if they're counting for like drive time.
0: Yeah, uh, good argument.
1: Yeah, like that's if it's it legitimately. And the state contends that although the time window is narrow, we do not believe it is inconsistent with Mister. Pelly's guilt. So this is from their appeal documents. So the state versus Pelly. So they're saying like that twenty minutes is yeah, that's your window, and you did all that in twenty minutes. I was like, some idiot kid that just killed like all of his family could do all that in twenty minutes. I was like. Man, I don't know if I believe that. I don't know. It takes me 30 minutes to shower. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> At best. see His statements throughout the week that he would be able to attend all prom activities suggest that the murders were premeditated and planned. The jury could reasonably conclude that Mr. Pelly performed these necessary actions within the available time. And I don't know if I could conclude that. And I think jurors said it wasn't so much the timeline thing. It was like pictures of where the family was positioned. Like his dad was shot coming around the corner and that Jeff would have come out of his bedroom and shot them is what they concluded. And it's like, could have been an intruder, I guess, too. But So they're saying, you know, like he stepped into the master bedroom, got the gun off the gun rack and hid in his own bedroom until his dad came down the hallway and shot him. And then shot the rest of his family in the basement. That was enough for it wasn't necessarily the timeline.
0: I find it hard to believe that he didn't do it.
1: I know, but I it's know. just but without beyond a reasonable doubt. That's that would yeah. be my thing. Jeff Well,
0: I mean yeah. Yeah. Well that's what got Casey Anthony off. Mm-hmm, they mm-hmm. sold beyond a reasonable doubt. Like
1: anything you can think of. So the other thing was a third party motive. Jeff argues that the trial court erred in excluding evidence that a third party had a motive for the murders. Which this might be reaching, in my opinion. Bob, his father, had apparently worked at a bank in Florida before the Pellys moved to Indiana. Bob may have been killed because someone found out about money laundering at the bank. That in 2002, Jackie told an investigator that before the family moved to Indiana, a million dollars in cash was missing from the bank, and that Bob was called into work in the middle of the night. He was responsible for finding the missing money and was in charge of the computers at the bank. After this incident, the family suddenly moved to Indiana, and the DEA closed the bank in March of 1990. So someone is putting that a, doesn't hit, sound impossible. a hit out on the family because, yeah, I mean, Jeff also offered a report made to investigators in August of 2002 that a resident on their street said that another person who also lived on the street told him he had seen a white limousine with Florida license plates in the area of the Pelly home on the day of the prom in 1989.
0: There was a limousine in the area on the day of the prom.
1: On prom night, when oh, children shit. ride in limousines to, to prom. prom. No, so. it's
0: it's the uh, it's the polar bear mafia from uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Zootopia.
1: So yeah, that part I don't know about the limousine part, but I guess it's possible a third party motive. His dad was killed for a long time standing problem with million dollars going missing somewhere, and he worked at a bank. That could be reasonable doubt, in my opinion. Yeah, it makes me think, like, oh, no, it's not possible. Yeah. In April of 2008, his appeal was reversed and remanded, but then reinstated in February of 2009. His defense attorney, Alan Baum, said, I've tried an awful lot of cases, and very few times do we have the extraordinary burden of defending someone who is truly innocent. As we know, there are people sitting in prison, some for 10, 15, 20 years, who are innocent. Later proven innocent by DNA. In Jeff's case, there was never any evidence. So he has no hope. They never collected any evidence, fingerprints, blood, nothing to prove that he's innocent. It's just all circumstantial. So they're saying a dumb kid committed this crime without leaving any evidence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the perfect crime. And he got away with it for 20 some years. But it doesn't really seem, I don't know. The Innocence Project from the Indiana University of Law, Indianapolis, agreed to take the case in March of 2009. As of March 2019, they are still fighting for his release. Jackie Pelly, Jeff's sister, is looking for anyone with information that might help exonerate her brother. Wow, that seems... I don't know. Didn't find any evidence from the scene? That doesn't mm-hmm. seem like something a high school kid could pull off. Yeah, it's like either... It's like they never collected fingerprints or, like... All the blood must have not been his, I mean, unless he hurt him, but there would be any reason for him to be bleeding if he just shot. I think they also said he had no bruising, like where you would hold a shotgun in your arm, yeah. that he didn't have any of that. And so I don't know how much experience he had re- with a rifle. Um, But he didn't have any, like, what is it, like gunshot gun residue? Yeah. I don't think they got to him soon. Like, he, you know, it was the next day. And I don't know if they tested that. That's older technology. They could have done that. That shit's sometimes hard to get off. That's what I mean. Like, if he was wearing a tuxedo... Like, he showered, though, right after. So, maybe... And then he changed in his That's what they're saying he did. Yeah. But it's, like, all that stuff of, like, starting the laundry, changing your clothes, picking up the gun shell, closing the blinds, and locking the doors all within a 20-minute window and shooting everyone. And not getting any evidence anywhere. Yeah. And not I'm just, like, how do you not even step in the blood, like... And I don't know if he did, and he cleaned it up well enough.
0: Well, I mean, depending where he, if he shot him from a distance. Mm-hmm.
1: it said a few, fairly close range. Yeah. But still enough, he needed to shoot everyone once, or he chose to. But it's like the Stephen Avery thing, like he was exonerated when his someone else's DNA was put into CODIS and exonerated him the first time around. So this guy, there's no way that anyone else's DNA is going to get run. Because they didn't, literally didn't find any. They either didn't collect it or didn't find it. There's no fingerprints. But it's like the whole house would have been filled with his fingerprints or my, you know, it's like, yeah, to say that my DNA was found at your house. It would be like, yeah, because she's been here before. Yeah. Like, that's why. So yeah, there's like a whole clump of blonde hair in the corner out there. <laughs> Where do you think that's from? It's from you. She sheds a lot. We were
0: brushing our pony back
1: there. <laughs> I got out of Alexis's rental car when we went to Colorado, and she literally looked at me and said, you shed like a golden retriever. Oh, you're, like, you're welcome. welcome. <laughs> and then somebody was eating something next to me, and they pulled my hair out of my mouth. And I was like, I'm very sorry. I'm very sorry about the situation. <laughs> you are currently finding yourself <laughs> So I think there's plenty of reasonable doubt. I can't believe they really could put someone away for until he's a hundred and something, 160 years. I don't know. Been ten years in the Innocence Project is still working on it. Yeah, I know everything moves slow, and I don't know if it was making it sound like they were still waiting for documents to be released to them. And he probably wouldn't have ever been convicted if the politicians involved weren't like, I'm gonna solve this crime as my stamp on why i deserve to be elected type yeah. thing i don't know i don't know if he's still married i don't know but that would really suck you marry someone like way after i wonder if he ever told her like hey this one time they're pretty sure i killed my family but i soups did not soups didn't you gotta believe me gotta believe me it's like do you marry someone and go sure I just don't own any firearms <laughs> <laughs> sure sure <I'll> marry you <laughs> so i think that's that's what i got i do interesting yeah you didn't
0: you told me before we got married that you had ibs
1: well i'm being honest and upfront about my situation in life <laughs> <laughs> oh, so i don't know he's still he's in indiana state prison which is one of the rougher ones let's go visit him mm, i'm okay you can go did you do this billy his name's not billy is it no. So I don't know if they'll fi- figure anything out, if the Innocence Project will solve it. It's pretty shitty. So it's like, if you get convicted of a crime, you better hope there's DNA that can later exonerate you. As long as you didn't actually, actually commit to the crime. It. I mean, you know. <laughs> I would say there's a reasonable doubt. I would not have convicted yeah. him. I would say there's a reasonable doubt.
0: That's reasonable.
1: I think they the appeal was that they didn't admit the third party evidence and not a speedy enough trial. Like it took too long. I was like, well, I don't... Whatever, Hang on. Hang on. but his biological sister thinks he's innocent, and his the only surviving stepsister thinks he's guilty. Well, we'll wonder why. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'd be pretty pissed if you killed my mommy. I'd be pretty pissed. I'd be pissed off. Yeah, and that's all I got. That's pretty good. A Patreon episode would have come out by now. Is it a surprise? Are you gonna tell him?
0: You can tell him.
1: An American Werewolf in London. Daniel's favorite movie, we talk about that. Nice. It's a funny movie, but like scary at the same time. Scary, but funny. Mm-hmm. It was interesting. Just be careful where you have an alibi. Know who you're with and what you're doing. Yeah. And don't take people off the insurance unnecessarily. Yeah, that just seems dumb. Don't do that. It's not necessary. Everyone should be insured. Go get your car insurance right now. <laughs> Well, that one girl hit dad and didn't have any insurance, and then he's like, well, it doesn't even matter, because I could sue you, and you're too poor to give me anything. So, yeah, we have to be done. We have to stop yawning.
0: Whenever I say I'm real tired, you always offer to hit me.
1: Let me hit you. Oh, to wake you up. <laughs> hey, me smack me. you. and
0: then she says it like four or five times. And Let me smack you? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> oh, okay. okay. As if I haven't been smacked
1: by her before. <laughs> smacked. It's prohibidabido. You can okay. find us on Instagram and Twitter at Hoosier Homicide. Facebook, like, review, and subscribe. Um, you can listen to us on iTunes, Podbean, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher. NPR, <laughs> just and we still have a closed group for Patreon only. We have two, count them two, members in our closed Patreon Facebook group. Two, count them two. Do you post in it? Sometimes. Okay. Or I respond them to people. Them br- buck. It's just bang a for platform buck. for people to express their opinions or questions or concerns or suggestions. <gasps> I'm just here to help. That's all I am. Here to help. I'm famous now. What <laughs> the fuck. You what know? the fuck, man? I'm fuck. It suck. And for honest-to-goodness, stay Stay out out of the the corn. Corn. (sniffs) Whoa, (laughs) out of control.